Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about the world of competitive speed radio producing. Our hero is a young man named Quick Pod Make a Show Fast Radio Boy dedicated to the art of recording and editing radio programs in a very short space of time. His older brother, Double Speed That's a Rap Radio Boy, set a record in legendary Zuma Blaze 5000 competition, but was tragically killed somehow in the attempt. Quick Pod Make a Show Fast is approached by the unscrupulous radio magnate FM Claudio Golden Boom Cash Splash, who offers him an extravagantly luxurious lifestyle if he signs to produce speed radio with Cash Splash's company, Nasty Biz Sell Your Soul Auto-Tune Big Mistake Industries. Quick Pod Maker Show Fast decides to pass due to his father's distrust of power-hungry corporations. Cash Splash is enraged and reveals that Nasty Biz Sell Your Soul Auto-Tune Big Mistake Industries has been fixing speed radio for years. In retaliation for Quick Pod Maker Show Fast's rejection, he destroys the tapes for Quick Pod's latest show, Zippy No Time Souped Up Hour of What? It Finished Already? QuickPod is determined to get revenge with the help of Detective Solve Crime Smarty Pants and the mysterious masked producer DJ Anonymous DLQT wearing a mask no face with whom he enters the Zuma Blaze 5000 determined to defeat the corrupt producers in the pay of FM Claudio Goldenbloom Cash Splash. But is DJ Anonymous DLQT wearing a mask no face really QuickPod make a show fast dead brother double speed that's a rap radio boy in disguise. You'd find out if this was a somewhat loose adaptation of the 2008 film Speed Racer. Instead, it's just a podcast in which we talk about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, co-host Sexy Brain Tallboy Chatterbox Longtime Palomine, aka Danny Moran. Hello. Hello, Sam. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Are you dizzy blood? Are you dizzy blood? Well, you will be. After my whirlwind review of Brotherhood, the third part of Noel Clarke's Hood trilogy about West London. Can I ask you another question? Yeah, sure. Uh, do you want to hear my review of The Child of a Leader, the debut film of actor-turned-director Brady Corbet? Uh... Well, you have no choice in the matter. I will be reviewing it. Can I ask you another question? Why not? Uh, what did you think of pop star Never, Stop- Never Stopping? Actually, um... save that. Save that. You're reviewing that later. Don't tell me. Fair enough. We also wonder why writer and director Paolo Sorrentino thinks there's any dramatic potential in the life of Silvio Berlusconi. What are you thinking, Sorrentino? Most boring PM ever. And we investigate the news that James Franco will be teaching us how to manipulate women into having sex with us in an upcoming, ad- ad- in an upcoming adaptation of Neil Strauss's super creepy book, The Game. All of which should leave just enough time for me to perform my latest impression. Willem Dafoe in a jacuzzi watching Michael McIntyre's stand-up DVD, Hello Wembley. Gosh. Great. Yeah. 
I have a man draw too. <laughs> Uncanny. Do we have any correspondence? Maybe ones that came in several weeks ago? Why not? Why not go back months um, for some correspondence? Sometimes it's a bit too timely and it needs to be dredged from the archives. So this is a message from Dougal McQueen from the 22nd of July. Jesus. A great time. We were all a bit overwhelmed by one month after Brexit then. Yeah. So uh, it's taken us a little while to recover and... uh, get back into the swing of things so you must have missed this at the time we were avoiding any news stories with x's in them yeah they yeah sounded too much like brexit yeah exactly that's pre- that's exactly what happened so um he posted to us the trailer for a new triple x film have you seen any of the films in the triple x franchise Harry? i've seen the first film triple x but you haven't seen the next level no starring ice cube no no but this will be the return of xander cage which is the name of the film. And also, it's Vin Diesel coming back to the role for wow. the first time. Because he wasn't in the sequel, right? No. No. Classic Vin Diesel style, right? He just returns to franchises ten years later. That's his thing, man. That's his thing. He starts, he leaves, comes back, leaves again, comes back a little bit later. And the franchise uh, keeps going from center to tank. So um, maybe we should play a little bit of the trailer? Sure. To set the scene for this comment from Dougal. We need someone who can walk into a tornado and come out the other side like it was a damn gentle breeze. Get on your knees! So why me back? Dougal says, I've watched this trailer a few times now, and I think the main deal with this film is using modes of transport where they're not meant to be. So Vin Diesel starts off skiing through the rainforest. Mental. Then you see him skateboarding on a motorway and grinding on trucks and stuff. What a nutter! Then, at the end of the trailer, he's dirt biking on the sea. As a big fan of the first Triple X, I will watch this like nobody's business. Also, check out the acting when Tony Collette says, we need someone who can walk into the tornado and come out the other side like it was a damn gentle breeze. Now, I reckon the word damn was improv there, and that the writer, either F. Scott Fraser or Chad St. John, was furious at that. Well, go suck a diphthong, F. Scott Fraser. P in a Ryman's Chad St. John. Brilliant. Brilliant. That was part of the message, but it's also my comment on that comment. And I want to take the opportunity to personally congratulate Dougal on writing that. Well done, Dougal. Thanks, Dougal. Is that, is that, ex, is that the fourth wall or what? I don't... Well, you're right there. So. Oh, right. Okay. I'll come in here. Oh, oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Yeah. You're what? Dougal's here. Dougal's here. <laughs> All right. He's not just a listener. He's also um, a, a visitor <laughs> and a friend. 
I bought some guacamole, so apparently I'm in the podcast now. Yeah. That's all you have to do to get in the podcast. One tub. you got a seat at the table forever. <laughs> well, I bought two just in case, you know. Good God. We, <laughs> in case we ate one and a third and then I take the, the two thirds away with me. Yeah. That's the difference between being a uh, film chat guest and a film chat champion. Um, we've got, we got various levels that you can apply for when you're uh, joining the podcast. So you get your name permanently inscribed on this microphone that I'm speaking into. <laughs> Deagle, have you seen Triple X 2, the next level or another level? No, I haven't. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed Triple X 1 when I was when I was a wee, wee tiny child. And uh, it had he- German heavy metal music in it and it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. What are you hoping will happen in this film, Deagle? Well, I just got really, I got really excited by the, you know, I'm oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me sit, let me sit on your lap. Oh, there we go. That's better. Yeah. yeah. Be More ways than one. Um, I was, yeah, I was really excited by the you know d- being on a on a bike on the sea. That looks great. Dirt biking on the sea. That's gonna that's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Surf, surfing in the jungle. Dirt biking on the sea. Do you hope there's uh, <laughs> driving a car in the air? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I was gonna ask is another anachronistic uh, extreme sports skill in the wrong landscape. You want to see in the film which they maybe they've held back from the trailer well driving so a car good. in the air they did in fast and furious 7 so maybe that was the inspiration for this whole movie they dropped cars out of a plane and they were driving them in the sky so they were like we need more of that kind of uh, putting a uh, extreme vehicle where it doesn't belong maybe action. he'll be cycling in space yeah <laughs> <He's> bonkers <laughs> it's like et which is pretty good this is him cycling literally outside the Earth's gravitational pull. Yeah. Well, and, and not like a BMX, just like sort yeah. of a child's bicycle. I'd quite like to see, because you know Vin Diesel is, you know, he's a really strong man. He is very strong, I'd yes. I'd like to see him pogo sticking in the Sahara Desert. <laughs> wow, that'd be really hard. That would be sad. really inappropriate. I, I, for one, couldn't do that, but I think he, he, he has a, a shot at that. But... One of the things about traveling on sand is that you want something with a wide, flat surface, right? Exactly. But he's much heavier than you. I feel like between the two of you, you'd have a better go at it. He's just going to more, you know, he's going to pile drive directly into the sand. I know, but he's very skilled, isn't he? He's a professional spy. He'd probably find a way to do it. Do you know what they should do, I think? You know, like a year ago, or maybe two years ago, there was the guy who, like, jumped from, like, outside Earth's atmosphere and, like, parachuted all the way down, like, free fell for, like, thousands of miles uh, Baumgartner yeah 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 I remember yeah. yeah yeah. that should be the climax of the movie they're like he's got to get into the enemy's compound it's like he's we got the road sealed off for miles it's like they didn't counter the fact that he might be dropping in from space yeah and but just... it should be like it should be like yeah. um, you know the satellites will detect us even if we parachute in it's yeah. like, not if it's from space and then he just parachutes in from space yeah Um. can I uh, an old beef which was like when I saw the title for Skyfall the James Bond film Mm-hmm. I thought that is going to be a film where the penultimate, you know, the the third act is going to be revolve around a skyfall or like a jump from space or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be really, really cool. Like the villain's going to be like codenamed Chicken Little or something. <laughs> and then it's like it's like the the name of it, the name of it, of a of a of a like house house in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been anything, not, couldn't it? It would be like um, Moonraker like was about old his, Wee It was about his yeah. Chinese gardener. Moon- <laughs> <laughs> Moonraker was about his old Ford Anglia called Moonraker. Yeah, diamonds are forever. That's just what I call my dog. <laughs>
All right. Well, that was uh, good fun, but unfortunately, the fun is over. Moving good, on to goodbye. a more serious segment. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go away, Dougal. <laughs> Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. Sam, please tell me some news. Okay, here's a bit of news. The Italian director Paolo Sorrentino, who directed Youth most recently, which I reviewed uh, earlier on the podcast, and also The Great Beauty, he has come up with inspiration for a future film. He's developing Loro, a film about the notorious Italian media mogul and politician Silvio Berlusconi. So this is quite an exciting idea, because both of Paolo Sorrentino's last films were about old men in rich milieus. And they both featured kind of extravagant lifestyles and parties and stuff. So it's almost as if... In his wheelhouse. Yeah. It's as if one of his friends turned to him and was like, you know what, Paolo? Berlusconi movie. You like these old guys. You like their foibles and their insecurities. Now they try to live, you know, like bigger than they are, whatever. They're worried about death. You know. Yeah. Maybe Berlusconi. I have not seen The Great Beauty. But Um, fortunately, we're joined by someone who has. Uh, Yeah. Hello, Diggle. So, I, in The Great Beauty, I watched the trailer. It looked to me like it was about an old guy wandering around Rome going to nightclubs. Is that what it's about? Um, certainly the first... Sorry. No, no, certainly no. the first scene is... Um, the first scene. <laughs> is about <laughs> sort of 40 yeah. minutes long, and that is just a night out. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, with various sort of, you know, weird and wonderful characters floating in and out. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite good. I don't think it was on that top 100 um, films of the 21st century. It was, thought, wow. that's true, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, but it's kind of, I, I can't for the life of me remember any of the salient details. Did but you? It was very lyrical, it was very, you know, beautifully constructed and everything. Um, and the trouble is, it reminds you of, you know, La Dolce Vita the whole time. So, I see, yeah. And then you, you occasionally think, oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish I was watching the Dolce Vita because. That has all of those same tropes, but the, the stakes are higher, I think. Could you imagine it's the, that kind of uh, movie making being applied to a corrupt, larger-than-life businessman slash politician? I mean, he's probably going to be quite—he's going to be quite sympathetic, and I don't know if that's necessarily appropriate. Mm. Empire Online is reminding me of another Sorrentino movie, which is far more relevant to this one than the two we've just mentioned, uh, which is Il Devo, which I've actually seen about half of. That's the adaptation of the um, popular opera boy band, right? Um, Their life story. I'm afraid it it isn't. No. It's a drama that chronicles the um, former Italian leader, Giulio Andreotti, um, who is another um, slightly fishy... um, italian uh, leader man so, not he wasn't a prime minister i think he was like yeah. mayor of some part of italy so paolo's mace is like old man corrupt old man yeah exactly it's power, just like parties. adding all of his previous films together well i recalled from your youth review there's a scene where the two old men ogle at some hottie right some yeah a total base isn't that what berlusconi isn't that his raison d'etre That's yeah what he does but that every in day. his badder bing parties or what's yeah. that word for the berlusconi parties that he had um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's quite funny. Like when you when you mentioned this story to me, and I was like, "Yeah, it'll be just like youth." But he's already made a film about a corrupt Italian politician. <laughs> it's like, so that makes it even more appropriate. Uh, but Adibo was kind of yeah, Adibo was quite cool. It was very stylish. Uh, I found it like a little bit. I sort of sl- um, slid off it a little bit. It was like heavily stylized, and the guy 
it was very enigmatic and uh was performed by someone who was obviously doing a very accurate impression but since i didn't know the source it was kind of like distractingly weird you know yeah, yeah. it just seemed like he was doing an incredibly mannered and bizarre performance that i'm sure would have rang incredibly true if you'd known that guy but um cool uh yeah anyway so yeah it's kind of intriguing i, I like i like the fact that rather than kind of moving outside his um he's just sort of going to the next logical progression in his career you sure. know he's just adding all of his previous movies into a new one so yeah there's some real world material that would make sense given my past work so why not why the hell not his next movie is called the young pope apparently that's, that's a tv show right um which me. just premiered at venice to oh, okay rapturous reviews Did where it? jude law plays the first american pope it's like an eight-part miniseries on hbo oh, sounds okay. nuts dan keaton's in it as like a nun maybe it'll be good maybe it'll be good ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so we look forward to that. In other news, it's been about a decade since Neil Strauss's super creepy lad bible book the game came out yeah. which if you're not familiar with was about uh was it like a year in the life when neil strauss befriended yeah. a bunch of pickup artists and learned all the tactics to manipulate women into having sex with you um stuff including negging which is um insulting a woman to her self-esteem is so short that she just will have sex with you out of some sort it's of something like that. It's, like, it's like giving backhanded compliments to women say that they feel a bit bad about themselves and then they're sort of brought down to your level or something like that. Well, I was explaining this uh, two nights ago. And apparently the, one of the examples is you say, um, oh, I really, like your, I really like your dress. I saw another girl wear it last night or just now. Yeah. So it's like, it's a Fuck com- me, Dougal. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know what came over me there. So well, apparently, <laughs> apparently the, uh, the concept is it's a compliment and the woman has to take it yeah. as a compliment but it's also i don't know and then she tries hard to her unfavorably to someone else or or putting i don't know it's, yeah. it just sounds fundamentally ghastly yeah. wow, your giant schnoz looks fantastic <laughs> yeah not many women could pull off that hideous face you've got um yeah that's kind of thing it's super creepy yeah um so apparently this has been a movie version has been kicking around for a while and in 2012 um, two of the writers from the American version of The Office, Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stabnitsky, were hired to tackle the script. And James Franco and Josh Gad were attached to Star. I'm assuming James Franco is the successful pickup artist and Josh Gad uh, is the nerdy guy. Oh my god. So it's gonna, is it going to be like Hitch or something? Yeah. But like, that but fell creepier. through for whatever reason. And basically, Deadline is now reporting that James Franco is still attached. He's going to start and produce. And they're moving towards shooting in 2017. But there's no word on whatever a new cast and crew are going to be attached. Maybe Josh Gad is like, I've got that frozen dollar now. I don't need to demean myself with this potentially <laughs> ghastly yeah. film. Well, yeah. well, it's all about like, what's the approach going to be to the material? Well, it's interesting because the book is already really disingenuous. I read a bit of it back when I worked in a bookshop during my gap year. It was in our secondhand section and I was kind of fascinated uh, by it. 
um and uh flicked through it and like read various sections and the way it's presented is it's a kind of um it's like he's joining the world of pickup artists like it's an investigation of this online community um and they all their sort of weird acronyms and their different terminology for things which negging is one and um uh so he's kind of it's like an outsider's view so he's trying to tell you like i'm not one of these guys but he also it's all about how successful he was doing it and it explains all of the techniques to you so it's kind of encouraging you to do it and he like gets laid a bunch of times supposedly using this and then at the end he kind of repents his ways and like goes steady with you know some lady goes steady is that a term that sure yeah (laughs) um the sort of term they use in the book yeah so it's this kind of uh, trying to have your cake and eat it too thing where it's like isn't it icky but it's also really awesome and really works and it's actually kind of fine but i actually decided to stop doing it because it actually wasn't fine you know and I feel like the danger is that a movie will just do that, where it'll be this thing where um, they're kind of presented as jerks, but it's also an excuse to like fill your like movie with sexy babes who you know the guys convinced to take their clothes off. Yeah, the nerds convinced to take their clothes off. Yeah, sounds like uh, tricky material to make work. It does. I feel like you'd have to go really hard on the obnoxiousness of the main characters. And... Who would you want to direct it? Who do you think would be good? Get Scorsese or something. Do a Wolf of Wall Street style. I think the direct Mike Lee. Mike Lee. Good point. Mike Lee. Yes. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask punchingly poor? How did Danny form the judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Okay, Danny, it's review time. Start us with the most highbrow review of the most boring film. You got it. So the child of the leader is the directing debut of Brady Corbet. Uh, who you may know as an actor. He's a very interesting actor who is something of a cinephile, you you suspect, because he works with directors like Lars von Trier, Michael Haneke, and seems to turn up in a bunch of European art house films and American indie films. And early on in his career, he was the lead in Thunderbirds. And that's pretty much the most commercial thing he's done by oh, Country Mile. I remember that movie with Ben Kingsley as the villain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That guy. Anyway, he's become a director and his debut film is... Directed by him and written by him and his wife, Mona Fassvold, who is also a filmmaker. And it is loosely based on a short story by Sartre. This is the kind of weighty stuff it's drawing from. Good Lord. And the plot is that it's set in 1919, where the peace treaties are going on in Paris and Versailles. And one of, pre- and one of President Wilson's key advisors, who's only credited as the father in the script, played by Liam Cunningham, who you might know as Davos from Game of Thrones, is living in the countryside of his wife known only as the mother in the script, played by Baroness Bejo, who is from The Artist, and his son, played by newcomer called Tom Sweet. And the film was about the boy's behaviour in this period and how uh, it deteriorates and how his parents deal with it and how this will shape the man he eventually will become, the leader, this you know mythic sort of shadow over the film. So I thought it was great. I loved it. In fact, it's going into my top 10 list of the year. Already? Already. Holy hell, Danny, it's only September. Think of um, all the films that could come out. I didn't know what to make of it at first. It's a very unusual film, and it took me a little bit of mulling over to get it, but now I've got it. I understand everything about the film, every single facet of detail, and it's genius. And I think the reason why it took me a while to get is because it has a very peculiar rhythm to it, and you're not quietly, you're not quietly sure, <laughs> you're not quite sure how you're supposed to be viewing it and then right at the end, it kind of puts in a different context. We have to re-examine the film. And um, it's a super confident directorial debut. This guy's like 27 when he made it. 
wow. disgustingly talented and it's very deliberately paced and some people might lose patience with it because it is quite languorous but it slowly kind of grips you until like you don't really realize it's doing it and then it has an absolutely barnstorming finale we're like this is the best thing i've ever seen ever this is better than fast and furious five it's a good film it's a good film so if you ignore the historical setting and the obvious symbolism in the film it's a very engrossing watch just on the sort of basic drama of it and it sets up this very stilted button-up society and this unruly kid and there's a lot of awkward existential dread in the film of like dinner parties and like the kid's gonna do something and it's you know a comedy of manners sort of you know there's like uh, there's always like the place hanging on the edge of the table you know and sooner or later it's gonna fall off and it milks a lot out of it and it reminded me of that famous hitchcock quote about the difference between tension and surprise and establishing the bomb under the table uh and then the conversation was super tense and that's sure, tension yeah. but if the, if the room just explodes that's surprise and it's a very tense watch and the framing device uh, which it starts with this sort of world war one footage and ends with this sort of leap into the future and the title changes the way you view the film so the fact that this kid is going to grow up to be a leader just means all his actions which just are quite normal it's just like a normal kid are like loaded with meaning it's like it's him throwing that rock somehow an indicator of his future leaderness yeah and this is coupled with a super atmospheric score by scott walker the legendary avant-garde uh, crooner come experimental musician and it's very bernard herman-esque that sort of hitchcock strings and it just makes for a very creepy intense atmosphere that kind of grips you and i initially thought the film was going to be an examination of like nature v nurture but it's much more sophisticated than that. And I think what the film's really about is that leaders arise um, not solely because of the cult of an individual, but because society has allowed it to happen. So it's more about the mother, father, and the other characters in the film than the kid. Right. And there's a very obvious allegory to be made that the conditions um, sort of set out in the Treaty of Versailles led to World War Two in the same way how the parents deal with the kid shapes him to who he'll become. And I think what I liked about it the most is that it's constantly circumventing, giving an easy answer and keeps on throwing it back at the audience. And you're kind of like an observer in all the scenes. and You've got to make up your own mind about how to view everything. And there's a lot to chew on. And it's simultaneously ambiguous and deliberate. Mm. It's not just seemed like he's just posturing questions for the sake of it. He's obviously got his own mindset about his material but he like lets you lose space for the audience and uh yeah i just thought it was kind of brilliant it sounds really good i like the central uh device of um kind of setting up his future and then you know setting the movie in his past yeah because it's kind of a twist on the more trite thing of having a movie about a person and then flashing back to their childhood yeah exactly and then just having a moment which is like you know, their mother shouted at them, and that's why they're like they are now, you know, which always feels a bit... Well, it's sort of like an argument against that sort of thing. Yeah, because where... that, that always feels a bit hollow because, yeah. you know, it's not true to human nature that you can pinpoint exact moments that shaped a whole personality. Um, so, yeah, so this is a much more interesting way to do it. Absolutely. And um, the final thing I should say is that the performances are uniformly excellent. Liam Cunningham, with a slightly ropey American accent, but okay. he's awesome in it. And uh, Stacey Martin from Nymphomaniac. Oh, yeah. 
uh, and a rare clothed role. That's good. You know, um, you don't wanna, I don't want to feel like she's been uh, pigeonholed as just this awesome. sexy lady. And R. Pats continues to make very interesting choices post-Twilight. Yeah. I really like him. He's really good in this movie. There's some very excellent drunk acting, cool. which I think is great. Yeah, I like R. Pats a lot. And it's currently playing at the Prince Charles, and also I think it's playing at the ICA and similar art housey venues. It's the last release of Metrodome that went under a couple of weeks ago. Mm. So... If, if if enough people see Child of a Leader, maybe they'll get out of bankruptcy. <laughs> so, f- so that's yet a, yet another reason to go. Fifteen million pounds in debt. Yeah, but if we all go and see it, looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush. Speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shit. Okay, start reviewing now. So Sam, did you see a film equally as powerful and insightful? Uh, no. I you recommended Childhood Leader to me. You're like it's still showing in cinemas. You should definitely go check it out. So I went straight to the cinema and I went to see Pop Star, <laughs> Never Stop, Never Stopping. Great parody film. Uh, this is the a kind of movie debut of the Lonely Island crew, Andy Samberg, Jorma Tacone, and Akiva something something. It's directed by Akiva Schaffer and Jorma Tacone, and stars Andy Samberg as a kind of Bieber esque, um, super egotistical pop star guy, uh, and it's about his crazy life and his um, extravagantly successful solo career, which grew out of a past in the Style Boys which is the sort of uh, the Lonely Island trio, and uh, how now he's a megastar, but he's releasing an album which uh, does not do particularly well and causes him to struggle a bit with success and fame and so on. Sure. And um, here's a clip of him engaging in an ill-advised promotional thing with a washing machine uh, fridge company called <laughs> Aquaspin, who are going to put his songs in their products so that when people open the fridge, his song plays. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Listen to this, homies. We can upload your entire album to fridges, washer dryers, blenders, and microwaves across the country. You could do that? Yes, nerd. It's just Wi-Fi jibber-jabber. It's not a big deal. This is that next, 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 man. I told y'all, Deborah's a genius. (laughs) It's true. And it is also pronounced Deborah. Deborah? Oh, that's very cool. What's the origin of that? Uh, I believe Deborah. There we go. Great. That was Maya Rudolph there as the Aquaspin uh, saleswoman, one of many comedy characters, uh, you know, familiar faces that you'll see in the movie. So I was, like, slightly disappointed by this because my concern going in uh, was that it was going to be a... Uh, just feel like one long sketch and not really hold together as a proper movie. And that is kind of how it was. Right, okay. It's... Uh, the, I find, like, The Lonely Island very funny and they've, it's got that kind of thing where they just um, obviously did a lot of improvising and like did a million takes of every joke and then just sort of picked the funniest ones and you know threw them in the movie and stuff and that's so you're sort of chuckling through it but it it ends up feeling a little bit um hollow at the end sure one of the issues with the movie is that it's set up like it will be a satire of celebrity culture and the excesses of stardom and things like that uh but their approach to the material is too wacky so that um they it's just not kind of intelligent enough in the way it looks at the material and it's too like it wouldn't be funny if this insane thing happens sure and i think that has got partly to do with the the enormous number of cameos and stuff and familiar faces in it like quest lovers in it and 
uh justin timberlake is in it obviously and like a bunch of people who play themselves yeah um which is very much part of that snl culture thing sure. but it just feels like it's coming from that industry rather than being a satire of it right okay. it's just like all these buddies inside. hanging out yeah exactly inside, yeah. yeah there's absolutely no kind of meanness to it you know yeah you think um, it sort of needs it to... It succeed. needs it a little bit to work yeah. as a satire. Sure. And and I think, like, this comes into the songs a little bit uh, because there there's quite a few songs in the movie. They're all pretty funny, but they kind of break the fourth wall a bit. Because they are more like Lonely Island songs than they are songs from the world right, okay. of the movie. So, the, the for example, they're, like, full of swearing. Mm. And obviously, this, like, Justin Bieber-esque guy would not have a number one hit called Fuck Bin Laden, where he says the word fuck like a million times. (laughs) You know, or like, he's got a song about how the Mona Lisa is an overrated piece of shit. And like, the joke is that he's got a big ego. You know, I get that. But it's like, that would not be an actual song. You know, it's like, there's no internal logic to the... Exactly, like the logic of the world is not not holding together very well. Um, And uh, so that detracts from it a little bit and that makes it feel a bit more like you're just watching some guys like trying to make each other laugh and just hanging out and shooting the shit um and there is a story uh, but it feels like it's it's very like functional it's just like this has to be a movie and so they introduce like three different elements that are just enough that you can create a story out of them you know sure. what i mean like he's got like a pet turtle that he loves and like <laughs> that has a function in the plot <laughs> and otherwise it wouldn't be in the film you right know? Yeah, it yeah. kind of stands out a bit because it's like and i also think that the lonely island are getting a little over reliant on list based songs right a lot of their funniest songs are list based songs like the um uh the dropping things one Threw it on the, threw it on the ground threw it on the ground the dropping the on dropping the, things on one. the floor i sound like i dropped it uncle. on the floor <laughs> <laughs> i dropped an object <laughs> I dropped this object. I dropped another object. Um, yeah. Threw it on the ground is hilarious, but it's like a formula for writing a song. Sure, you know, yeah. When you come up with the concept and then you just like do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like jizz in my pants is also the same thing. Where it's like different things make them jizz in their pants. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hilarious song. Um, I was going to say that jizz in my pants, uh, that breakout hit. Yeah. It must be close to a decade ago now, right? Yeah. Jizz in my pants is now. In, well, I think maybe their breakout hit was their... Um, I'm on a boat. Or? No, it was oh. uh, uh, Lazy Sunday, right? Lazy Sunday. Yeah. Um, I, Maybe jizz, jizz, jizz in my pants went was stratospheric. A, it was a sophomore you know. effort. Yeah. But I was going to say, it, it feels a bit, not tired perhaps, but just like a bit late. Like they yeah. should have made this film five years ago. Yeah. And, well, they uh, could have easily made, I think they could have made this movie in 2007, like right. the same, pretty right, much. Okay. I think like the cameo guest stars would have been a bit different, but... <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's true. It, it doesn't feel particularly, like, relevant. But that's part of it. Like, they're not really concerned with the satire. Yeah. They're only concerned with the, like, dumb gags. Uh, Would you say it's funnier than just watching a YouTube playlist of their songs? No, I, right. I don't think so. Okay. That's, that's probably I think that's quite a good way of putting it, actually. I think that if you just watched a YouTube playlist of their songs and SNL sketches, you would it would be the same. You know, you'd right. laugh as much, and uh, the story is kind of nothing. Like you know, I wasn't I wasn't like invested in it. I was going to say the the premise sounds very Spinal Tap, like promoting an album that's going badly. Yeah, um, it is. It is like that, except like um, a little less daring in a way because. Um, in this movie, you're supposed to kind of root for the heroes a little bit more, I think. Yeah. In Spinal Tap, you'd like, you're not expecting them to have like a comeback concert where everyone <laughs> cheers them and they actually have a big success. You know? yeah, yeah. 
Whereas in this movie, that's kind of what you know you're hoping for. Sure. So yeah, I don't know. It was like fine. It passed the time. It didn't make me laugh quite as much as I was hoping it would. And um, yeah, want to not run to the cinema to see then perhaps. Yeah, walk, dawdle your way to the cinema <laughs> to see this one. Okay. Or just wait, catch it in some other time when you don't particularly care how you're spending your evening. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my ringing endorsement. <laughs> cool. Okay, back to me. Hard hitting, yeah. impactful drama. The guy who prepares his reviews a lot more than well, I. Wow, do. I don't know about that, but uh, I don't know about that. I'm I'm making this all up. <laughs> uh, so, Brotherhood, the third part in Noel Clark's Hood trilogy. Have you seen any of the previous ones? Um, Adulthood or Kidulthood? No, I have not. Dougal? Uh, yeah, both. Okay, well, just to briefly recap for Sam, and maybe our listeners, but Sam is my main priority. So in Kidulthood, it was um, set in like a day in the life in a bunch of West London teenagers around Labbert Grove area, and Noel Clark played the school bully Sam, and at the end of the film, for a bunch of reasons, uh, he killed a guy. It was manslaughter. He didn't mean to kill him, but he killed a guy called Trife by hitting him with a baseball bat. Trife. Trife. His real name was Trevor, but his friend called him Trife. Trouble and Trife. Trouble and Trife. <laughs> and then... His name is Cotney Ryan um, for itself. In adulthood, it's set six years after the events of Kittlehood, and Sam, Noel Clark again, comes out of jail, and that's another day in the life where loads of people are trying to um, get revenge for Trife's murder, and he somehow sort of he goes and makes amends for his past sins yeah and etc etc um and in the brotherhood sam has settled down he's got a couple of kids and a wife and he's put his past firmly behind him however trive's uncle who's just been a sort of uh, background character uncle curtis okay who was like a sort of malevolent force in the first one, who you got the sense didn't really like his nephew, suddenly loves his nephew and is out for revenge. And he's teamed up with a local uh, Essex gangster called Daly and is on a mission to destroy Sam's life. And just when he thought he was out, they he's, drag he's him back, back in. in. And this is a scene of Noel leaving Daly's house and being confronted by a posse of youths, one of which is played by the rapper Stormzy. Oh, Try that again about your pool boys, cousin. Let him go. Shut up. You're all fam. You're old, cuz. Go look after your grandkids, you has-been. <laughs> <laughs> Just get out of my way, blood. Did you just say blood? <laughs> 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 no one says blood anymore, cuz. Like. What year are you living in? Alright, do you know what? I, I know what it is. He wants to fuck with the youngest like he's some fucking Rolf Harris or something. <laughs> Get your chin lifted around here, bruv. You can't do fuck all to me. So, um, I saw a previous screening of this with a Q&A of Noel Clark, and uh, I didn't really enjoy the film. It's an odd mix of gangster film cliches, lad Bible humour, uh, lots of violence, many boobies, mm-hmm. uh, not particularly plot-orientated boobies, and a weirdly sincere message about not becoming the product of your environment and, you know put down that gun and pick up a uh, laptop and write a film. Seems to be the message of the movie. And it's all a bit over the place. And the end result is just tonally very weird. Yeah. Um, 
And the first two films, I don't know how much you'd agree with me, Dougal, but they aren't like brilliant and they share some of the same problems as this film, but to a lesser extent. But what they didn't have going for is that they felt quite personal and fresh for its time. Like in 2006, people, you didn't really see um, youth culture and um, of that nature. Yeah. Like, in a movie like working class london absolutely and, and perhaps yeah. the british film industry has just um gone i don't know homogenized around it was it was the kind of fresh thing about it that it was like about working class life but it wasn't some sort of gritty kitchen sink you know social well, issues thing but basically it was a bit would... more fun or like more like a hangout movie or something like that or yeah i like... would compare it to like skins in that it was half genuine insight and half madcap genre film yeah and that's basically it but whatever unique selling point it had is now just gone yeah and so there's not really a st- enough story like this his arc sam's arc um quite ably played by noel clark was completed in two films and so to get him back for this third film it feels like a sort of a bit of a cash-in project and they just rely more on gangster cliches so any authenticity it had has just gone out the window yeah and this the first two were kind of character driven films and this is just a lot of plots and the plot is very ropey it's just there's like the comedy is weird it's got like a weird um <laughs> it's just like an oddly pitched movie there's a character called henry played by uh arnold oseng who's very good in the film but it's basically the shtick is that he's got this very domestic life with his girlfriend and young kid and he's constantly being asked by sam to like help him with these sort of gangster scenarios and it's the juxtaposition between the two. He's constantly like lying to his girlfriend about he's going to go get a Sainsbury's club card or something, but he's got a whatever. And that would be fine, but the actual gangster scenes are like a hair breadth away from parody themselves and sometimes mm. just fall right into them. Like this gangster character is just ridiculous. He's like the least menacing, like very skinny, like not particularly well acted. You might as well, his lines might just be quotes from Scarface, you know. And I think this would be fine, but what left a kind of bad taste in my mouth is that the female characters are either non-existent or just naked. And there's a scene where... So there are no female clothes in the film. There are no female clothes. (laughs) 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 Well, there's like a sort of mum character and a wife character, but all they do is nag him. Yeah. You know? Classic mum slash wife uh, behaviour. There's a bit where like the prostitute's like, here's some hookers. And they're just like, here's a room full of naked chicks. And it's like, uh, you know... Okay. Come on, yeah. <laughs> grow up! I thought this like about you being a mature filmmaker. Ironically, he has made his, <laughs> his most most immature. teenage film yet. Well, in this Q and A, he talked about how he wrote Kettlehood because he was um, frustrated with the roles he was getting, and it is like a very diverse cast. But it's like, so you wrote a role as like a black gangster, like <laughs> I mean, yeah. And um, some of the writing, particularly in the performance and um, lines of Uncle Curtis. Uh, I think just quite racist. Like, Do you think he speaks in this like kind of cod West Indies accent, which isn't the the actor's real uh, accent? I double check this. You and it is a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done very well. It's number two at the box office, and you know it's against much yeah. bigger things. So it's obviously striking a chord with some people. But I feel like it's just become a genre film now, mm. and but it's trying to tell you that it's like this heartfelt authentic look at west london life but it just wants to have shootouts and it's turned stuff. into it's a just, nick, nick love movie exactly it's odd i it's think like business yeah i think noel clark's a good actor and he's got a certain charisma but i was always reminded that he'd written these scenes when he was in them 
And it's like, I've got a great idea for a move, scene, I'll bone this hot chick. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no, you know, why am I paying? Oh, like, thank God, it, you know, it's a free screening. It's like, why am I paying to watch you have sex with a supermodel? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm sick of the roles I was getting. I was not banging a single supermodel. I don't care enough to be disappointed, but it's disappointing that a film with an inbuilt audience, with a bit of a budget, wasn't more ambitious. And yeah. it felt like he had license to do something with the material when he chose the most generic route right yeah um which is a shame i like him as a i like him as an idea i don't know i like the idea of a young black british filmmaker making his own films and sort of circumventing the industry and you know speaking from the heart but like he hasn't quite done that yeah yeah but he claims that he has which is a slightly annoying thing and the q a was talking about how this was about his life and becoming a dad and stuff i was like what it's about tits and guns man like yeah so I want to miss. I think it's the weakest of the three. Avoid a head. <laughs> nice. That's is that a joke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when Graf heard something that changed his life, what he listened to. When John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've devised a game to yes. play at the end of this episode to cover the fact that I haven't prepared anything, so I'm going to do it, you know, on the spot. Sure. So, um... I'm going to try to walk the walk of my talky complaints about the Lonely Island, that they're getting too reliant on list songs. For example, Akiva Shaffer's character in Popstar starts a solo career and his solo song is a list of things in his Jeep. It's called like Things in My Jeep or something. And the this, you know, um, structure of the song is he just says a bunch of stuff and he's like, those are the things in my Jeep. I feel like you can. That's funny, but I feel like you can do that. You sure. know, I think I could do that. I'm sure Rhyming you can. objects, and then at the end, just a thing. So I was thinking that one of the two of you, Danny and Dougal, could uh, surprise me with a category. Yeah. And then I will take a few minutes, which with the magic of radio will cut down to a matter of seconds, unless we really want to drag this thing out. <laughs> and. Um, and I'll try to write a bunch of objects, and okay. then I'll do the rap in the style of the Lonely Island, which is Brilliant. kind of shouting in an American accent. I'm so on board. Okay, do so you, let's confer. Confer. What about what's in your sexy Ocado delivery? My Ocado delivery? No, sexy Ocado delivery. Okay, sexy, yeah. <laughs> sexy Ocado delivery. Okay, sexy Ocado delivery. That's it. So how long should we give me? Like 10 minutes? Sure, okay. 10 minutes. Okay, so it was 10 minutes. I was yeah. quite scrupulous about yeah. myself, so it's not going to be the greatest, you know, ever. Well, I'm expecting to be the greatest thing ever, Sam. Obviously, so. But I did what I could with that. And Dougal's very brief. expecting that it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Look at, his, look at his little face. Dougal's hard, someone, I know, Dougal's hard to please. It's like a kid who's been told he's going to Disneyland. Yeah. Look at him. Look um, at him. How do you disappoint that? <laughs> This better be good. It's better be well, fucking good. I'm nervous. Okay. So the instrumental music is 36 Inch Chain by Run the Jewels. Cool. Great song that I heartily recommend to uh, anyone. 
and um okay here we go sexy this is this song is called sexy Ocado delivery yeah okay Avocados ripe to be peeled and mashed. Peaches like cheeks of a cute little ass. Oranges to squeeze and suck on the pips. Bananas that look like hot yellow dicks. I want to slice up and toast that sourdough. This is my sexy delivery from Ocado. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that applause. You've... The most enthusiastic applause only sounds so <laughs> great when there's only two guys delivering it, but still. I think that's the best thing that's ever happened that Thanks. was better than i could have ever wished for when i thank god the notoriously hard to please and ready to weep do yeah gives me his approval thanks so much man um i want to say thanks for being on this episode it was yeah lovely to have it's been you. really good to have you i think maybe we need to get a third microphone yeah and um, have you here all the time or maybe we could maybe lose someone from the podcast there's only two of us yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and since I said that, I don't think it should be me. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much for listening. Next week yeah. we'll be reviewing the Woody Allen film Cafe Society, where he's broken crazy amounts of new ground. Wait yeah. to hear a hot take on that. It's all about this nebbish Jewish guy who fucks beautiful women. Who? How, where does he get these ideas from? <laughs> and I'm also going to be seeing Bridget Jones' Baby, the film, not someone called Bridget Jones who's recently had a baby, mm-hmm. uh, with my mum. Yeah. And maybe I'll get her opinion. But... My Mum is not the name of another film that you'll be seeing right afterwards. That's no. the person you'll be going to see. Bridget my Baby my mother, the woman who herself gave birth to me. Yeah. Quite fitting, really. How many years of her life did she give up to raise you? And now all you can do is get to see a film occasionally with her. What kind of son are you? <laughs> a bad one? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's, see you next week. See you. For that fun. Bye. Bye. That's Dougal <laughs> saying your bite. No, that's, that's no, perfect. That's, 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 how they, that's how they do it in professional radio. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Bye. 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 Okay. You had one job to do. Sorry.